Well, we today we get to, to the privilege of uh, concluding our series, uh, Rooted. And before I do that, I want to welcome all of the, our campuses. Welcome Tabor, Okotoks, Lloyd Minster, Claire's home. Welcome Lethbridge. Welcome our online campus. Welcome Jennifer, Deborah, Pastor Phil, Larry, uh, uh, Audrey, Marissa, Tess, Ram, Reese, Darlene, Diane, Russell, uh, Jam, uh, Joelle, Debbie, Glory. Welcome to all you guys. Give them a big hand. And I know, I know most of you on that list already, and there's about four countries listed there. Isn't that cool? That's so cool. Anyway, welcome. Welcome to part six. I'm going to start with kind of a personal story. And I grew up uh, with a dream. And I had a dream that I was going to be a rock star. That was my dream. As a kid, That was I was passionate about music and I was going to be a rock star. And I got my first big break in grade nine when there was the school talent contest. And I had three grade 12 students uh, that formed a band and they needed a bass player. And I was one of the only bass players, apparently, um, in, in the entire high school. And so here's, here's little me, grade nine, these, you know, grade 12, big guys, all the rest. And they said, hey, could you come and play for our band for the talent contest? And I was like, yes, like this is my big break. I'm going to make it. Um, and so we, we went into rehearsal and it was a dream come true. And I'm going to date myself a little bit, but we ended up playing. These were old songs. I just got to clarify that these were old songs when I was in high school. So we ended up rehearsing Bad Moon Rising by Credence Clearwater Revival. Uh, also, we, we did uh, Sultans of Swing by Dire Straits. And um, see what I mean? Like dated myself big time. But anyway, all good. We played these songs in there and we were terrible. <laughs> Just going to say, like we didn't win the high school contest. I'm, I'm here pastoring now. You know, the dream, like, we, were <laughs> we were terrible. We, we weren't very good. And one thing that's amazing is even though we weren't very good, um, none of the, the kids, I mean, everyone's gracious. Your friends are gracious. Oh, yeah, you guys were great. <laughs> Liars. <laughs> we know we weren't. Like, it was bad. And, you know, the, the judges graciously, yeah, no, you didn't win. But we, we were bad. But nobody, amazingly, nobody, nobody criticized Dire Straits or CCR or they never criticized, that, you know, that was a terrible song. They knew where the fault lied. Right? Nobody discredited Dire Straits because we botched it bad. Nobody did that. Yet, come on, hear me out. Yet, as Christians, as the church, when we don't play the melody that Jesus originally wrote, people don't know where to place the blame, and they discredit the church, and they discredit God. Which means the responsibility we have, come on as believers, is to play the tune right. Right? And we, and, you know, we have to sing it on key. We have to sing the same tune. We have to know. Which is why we're in this series rooted. And we're going back to the foundations. We're doing a little bit of historical studying. Because here's what I know. If we don't play it right, people, people discredit God. They discredit Jesus. They discredit his church. They discredit us. So I want to conclude this series by talking about what is it to be a Christian? What does Christian mean? Because we so, we claim it. I mean, come on, we're watching the Super Bowl and we're cheering for teams today that, that because of somebody on that team, come on, it's amazing in the States. Everybody, everybody claims to be Christian. 
<laughs> Whether that's true or not, we don't know. Every, I've yet to meet, anybody watch American elections? I've yet to see a president ever not state that they were a Christian. <laughs> true? Come on. And people can say it. So what does it mean? Like, what does it literally mean? Well, you might be surprised, historically, again, you might be surprised that the term Christian wasn't given to the church by Jesus. The term Christian wasn't even given uh, to, to the church by the early church or by the disciples. The term Christian actually literally is, was given to the church in the city of Antioch. And it says this in 11, Acts 11, verse 26. It says the disciples were called Christian first at Antioch. That's, that's where we see it. Acts 11, 26. The disciples were first called Christian at Antioch. Now, Antioch, here's the context around that. Antioch was a multicultural city and was referred to as, as all the world in one city. It was a port city. It was, it was one of those cities where it's, you know, its nickname was all the world in one city. So today we would say, well, that's Vancouver, that's Toronto, that's New York, all the world in one city. Now, what's, what's interesting about, about Antioch is that they would divide all the world in one city. They would divide the city up into, into, into ethnical regions. And when I say divide, I mean literally divide. There was walls going, literally going down through the city, within the city walls, keeping one race from the other race, and, and they would never, never meet. Now, in, in Antioch, what was remarkable is along came the Jesus followers. And the Jesus followers come along, and they would, they would cross divides, you know, within regions. You couldn't tell. You could tell how people, which race they were, or which section of the city they came from by how they dressed, who they worshipped, their religion. They, you could tell by what they ate, what they didn't eat. You can tell that. But then along comes the Christians, and they dressed, they kind of blended in everywhere. They didn't really stand out with anybody. And they would cross divides all over the place where nobody, you know, there's certain races that would never cross, go through the wall, never go through the wall of that part of the city. But yet Christians seemed to interact anywhere. And it was so disheartening, so disconcerting to all of the, the people in Antioch that they said, we have to give these people a label. And so they called them Christian, which the term Christian literally means Christ-like. And this is, listen, this was given by the city, not by believers, but by the unbelieving city around them to create a label so that they could identify who these people were. And the, the label they created is an honoring label. Come on, it's Christ-like. And the reason why they called them Christ-like is because, well, Jesus crossed all the divides. Jesus would, when he was born and raised a Jew, and Jews didn't associate with Gentiles, yet Jesus healed the centurion's daughter, yet Jesus went to the Samaritan woman. I mean, a Jewish rabbi would never associate with, with you know, tax collectors and sinners, and Jesus crossed that divide. A, a male Jewish rabbi would never interact with a woman, but he would interact with multiple different women, and he seemed to esteem women and give them respect when nobody else in society would do that. Jesus crossed divides. He would cross certain areas of the, the 
the, the country that would divide them, even the Jews dividing amongst themselves. And he would go aside in Mark chapter four, go to the other side of the lake. Well, what was on the other side of the lake? A group of people that were pushed out because they weren't righteous enough or weren't Jewish enough or whatever. They would cross over and they had to live on that side of the lake. And Jesus went to them. And so in Antioch, the honor of being called, they said, you guys are Christ-like, where you don't, uh, you don't respect our boundaries, our labels, and you just kind of interact anywhere. And so they gave them a label. Now we look at this and going, wow, that's, that's good, honorable. Was this so easy for them? Well, let's, it's interesting to me, very interesting to me, that this is included in Acts chapter 11. Because the rest of Acts chapter 11, let's take a look at it. The rest of Acts chapter 11, the church didn't always get this Christ-like part right. Even, even the leaders. Look at this in Acts chapter 11, verse 1. It says, The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. Okay. Like, they heard that the Gentiles, and, and all the people rejoiced. They heard God too. Not so quick. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem... The circumcised believers criticized him. Now, first off, I got some questions. They labeled and separated themselves based on a surgery. A very, very private surgery. So the fact that they would label themselves as circumcised or uncircumcised, who checks this? I got questions. <laughs> no, it, it, it was widely known, Jewish law, this is, this, is, this is not about surgery or no surgery. This is about uh, who, the Old Testament and living by the law or not living by the law. And, and to such a degree, come on, this is a battle. To such a degree that they were saying, like, can Gentiles, because they weren't raised in the law and abided by the law, can they really be believers if they weren't? And they classified them or categorized them as uncircumcised. So which means that they, hey, they don't, they don't follow the law. So can they really follow God? And, and they criticized Peter because he, it's not that, that Peter hung if they criticized Peter, not that he preached to them, they criticized Peter because he ate with them. Because he says, you went into the house of circumcised men and ate. Come on, this is the church criticizing one of the founders, one of the original disciples. Not that he lived with them and became them, but he had a meal, one meal with them. And they went, this is, this, like, this is Acts chapter 11. We're not too far from the time of Jesus. Have we forgotten who Jesus ate with? Apparently. It's human nature. Come on. Look, so, so this is Peter's response. And I'm just going to read it for you. I want you to listen to this. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Jaffa and, uh, and praying, and, and in a trance I saw a vision, which, to which all the critics are going, ooh, <laughs> you had a vision. Now we're convinced. No, no, listen, he, he, he goes into detail. He says, I saw something that a large 
like a large sheet uh, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to where I was, and I looked into it, and I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And I replied, surely not, Lord, nothing impure. So we know what kind of, these are pigs and reptiles and all the things that the law says that they're not supposed to eat. Right? So then, and the Lord, he says, I heard a voice saying, get up and eat. And he says, I can't do it. Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure, unclean has ever entered my mouth. Then the voice said from heaven a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This is a great bacon verse, by the way. I'm just like, amen, thank you, Jesus. Glad this revelation was settled, right? This happened three times, then it was uh, pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent uh, to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have with no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me and entered the man's house. And he told us, told us now that he had seen an angel appear in his house and saying, Send a job for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all the household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. How did they come on him in the beginning? Acts chapter 2, tongues like fire, all the rest of it. Peter sees this, and and this is where he's got their attention. They're not not swayed by by just a vision, right? But they're swayed by the events after the vision. Look at, and he says, Then I remember what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us, great question. Who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? Who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? How many times do we stand in God's way? Because we don't play the tune right. When they heard this, they had no further objections. (laughs) Yeah, that's a pretty good argument. And praise God saying, so then, even to Gentiles, even to Gentiles, you know how racist that sounds? Come on, put in a race in there. Like, put, put this in the context of, of Antioch. This is the same chapter. Even on that side of the wall, they can become believers? Even over there? Come on. So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Now, those who had been scattered by persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was on them. And with great number, people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Okay, here we go. When this is Antioch, when he arrived and saw that the grace of God had what had grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus 
to look for Saul. And when they found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul, which is Paul, met with the church and taught great number of people. And here we go. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. When, in the, when you see the context, this didn't just automatically happen. They just didn't walk in doing this. They had to have revelations. They had to have debates. They had to have all these things. And then all of a sudden, revival breaks out, and they're crossing divides. And they got a, a sense of the Holy Spirit appearing to Gentiles too, to different races too. And they went, <gasps> and revival broke out, and they started going, they started crossing the walls and going to each section of the city and started seeing this thing. And there, and then in the midst of all this, they were called Christians and they all lived happily ever after and never had any more problems ever, you know. <laughs> they got it figured out and... <laughs> no. You know that, I know that. No. Not even Peter, who had this revelation, who had this debate, who, who had to be called into a council because he had ate with, not even just preached to, ate with a Gentile. Not even Peter got this right. Look at this Galatians chapter 2. Okay, this is a little while later, after all of this happens. Look, look at this, come on. Later, when Peter came to Antioch, I had a, this is Paul writing now, I had a face-to-face -face confrontation with him because he was clearly out of line. <laughs> now, time out, Paul. First off, okay, proper protocol would be if you're going to confront one of the originals. You remember Peter, the guy who Jesus said he was going to build the church upon? Like, this is one of the originals. This is one of, the, like, this is the leader of the church. If you're going to confront him and have a need to confront him, Paul, you should probably do this privately. But here's Paul writing that Peter, and I confronted him because he was clearly out of line. And he's writing, and I'm going, I'm going, wait, 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 why? Whoa, 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 Air, Paul, 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 Paul. This comes across as arrogant. Are you writing this because you're trying to position yourself above one of the originals? Absolutely not, because that would go completely out of character for who Paul was and who we see everything that we know about Paul is written as throughout the book of Acts and throughout all of his letters. It, it, that's not, so why, why call Peter out in public? And why so harshly? Because look at this, why? He goes on to explain, he says, here's the situation. Earlier, before certain persons had come from James, Peter regularly ate with non-Jews. <laughs> so Peter got permission in Jerusalem, and it was like, okay, I like bacon. <laughs> I'm coming to your house, I'm coming to your house, I'm coming to your house. So look at this, here's the situation. Peter regularly eating with non-Jews. All right, then he goes on. He says, but... When the conservative group came from Jerusalem, he cautiously pulled back and put as much distance as he could, managed between himself and his non-Jewish friends. I hate religion. Ugh. I read this and I'm going, okay, here, here we go. This is what happens. The, the, the conservative rule-abiding, law-abiding critics that, that Peter had 
arguments with that he convinced in Jerusalem obviously didn't convince very well. They come to Antioch to visit and all of a sudden Peter starts to distance himself from the people that he, new believers that he had just led to the Lord and he starts to distance themselves. And you can imagine, you can imagine the hurt, the questions, the what did we get ourselves into, all this stuff that religion causes. When the tune is played wrong, come on. When the tune is played wrong, all of the hurt, the pain, all these things that, that translate. So why, why, why did Peter pull back? What Paul tells us, he says, that's how fearful he was of the conservative Jewish clique that has been pushing the old system of circumcision. Religion rules with fear. The old system rules with fear. Why? Because it's fearful itself. Because the old system, come on, religion means that I have to be holy enough, I have to be good enough, I have to, be, I have to behave enough, I have to follow the rules enough in order to earn God's acceptance. And it's terrifying because none of us, Paul would say this, all fall short of the glory of God. All of us fall short. We know we can't measure up. And because we can't measure up, you know how, what we do to justify not being able to measure up or not feeling worthy ourselves? We inflict higher standards on somebody else because that helps us feel better. That's what religion does. And so these, these Jewish leaders are trying to debate whether we keep the Old Testament or the New Testament. Or the, you know, like they're trying to figure out the tune. And, they, and they're, they're feeling like they can't measure up. They're, they're not good enough to measure up. And so they're inflicting certain stands, rules that Jesus never asked, that, 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 that he never taught his disciples. To, to, in fact, Jesus probably taught the opposite, that you're not supposed to put up these boundaries, these laws. But these guys inflicted and caused this, this intimidation, this criticism. And that criticism called Peter caused Peter to become fearful. And John would say in 1 John 4, 18, that perfect love casts out fear. So again, here's the question we're asking. Why would Paul make this public? Like, okay, so have this conversation with Peter. Have it one-on-one. -on -one. Keep it private. Certainly don't write about it. You know, in a letter to another church in another city, why would you write about that? And here we are reading it 2,000 years later. Come on, like, make Peter look good. <laughs> like, come on. Why would you write about it? Because, he answers it, he says, unfortunately, the rest of the Jews in Antioch church joined in this hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was swept along in the charade. He says, all of a sudden, Peter's fear, because Peter was a leader, and they started seeing him shrink back and, dis and distance himself from his Gentile friends. All of a sudden, even Barnabas and the others, they did the same thing. They're pulling back from the new believing Gentiles. And, and everybody, all the, can you imagine the questions that would have been happening? From the Gentile believers going, what, what, did, we, what did we do? You said we were, we were part of this too. The Holy Spirit came on us too. All the things that are going on, the hurt that would have happened because wait, you're disassociating with us now? What? And here's the thing. The reason why Paul wrote about this is because this is a fight 
for the state of the church, for the tune to be played right. This is Paul criticizing. This is why we have coaches on American Idol who say, you're not good enough. But my mom said, I'm sorry, but you're not going to make it. Like, like, this is why we have people, because come on, if the tune's not being played right, somebody's got to call it out, especially when it comes to the state of the church, because Paul knew this, this, this religion, this fear is so infectious, that negativity is infectious, and that this would get passed on and passed on, and all and he knew, he knew that this would be the death of the message. And the message is worth fighting for. He goes on, he says, but when I saw that they were not maintaining a steady, straight course, according to what? The message. I spoke up to Peter in front of them all. Why? Because he's trying to position himself? No, because he's saying, that's not the right tune, Peter. Peter, you know, you know, most of all, you remember when Jesus Eight with Zacchaeus. You remember when Jesus defended the adulterous woman? You remember when Jesus healed the centurion's daughter? Do you remember when Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well? You remember. Peter, this is not the right tune. And here's what he said. He says, if you're a you, Peter, a Jew, live like a non-Jew when you're not being observed by the watchdogs from Jerusalem, what right do you have to require non-Jews to conform to Jewish customs just to make a favorable impression on your Jewish brothers? Come on, come on, that's the hypocrisy. If you, being a Christian, come, how, you, nobody's ever heard this before, right? You've never heard this before. If you, come on, sometimes we get called out by the world and sometimes they're right. And Paul goes on, he says, we Jews know that we have no advantage of birth over non-Jewish sinners. <laughs> we know very well that we are not set right with God by rule keeping, but only through personal faith in Jesus Christ. So he calls them non-Jewish sinners, but then he also says, wait, we know we're sinners too. He goes on, he says, how do we know that it doesn't work? The system doesn't work? Because we tried it. And we had the best system of rules the world has ever seen. It's called the Old Testament, by the way. Come on, there's, did you know? Come on, we can discredit it and discard it all you want. But did you know that we still today, that our laws, our, our justifications of right and wrong, the laws that we have in the Western world are still originating from here, it's the best system. It works. It produces life. But it's not life itself. How do we know? We tried. We tried to live up to that. How do we know? It's the best system of rules ever created. And then he goes on, he says, convinced that no human being can please God by self-improvement. <laughs> we believed in Jesus as the Messiah so that we might be set right before God by trusting in the Messiah, not trying to be good. 
I love how Paul preaches the message in his critique. And I can imagine Peter. We don't see this. I can imagine Peter hearing this. Starting to tear up. Go on. You're right. You're, you're right. We were first called Christians because the believers in Antioch were different. In fact, they modeled unity and refused to separate people into different camps. And I love, I love, I love the Bible. I love how the Bible doesn't hide these conversations. Because we could read Acts chapter 11 and say they were called Christians because they were so different and they were so good and they had it all right. And we would have missed the fact that this, this confrontation happened in Antioch. This is the fight that happened in Antioch. And that right before that, there was a fight that happened in Jerusalem. And honestly, come on, church, there's a fight happening today still. And we've, we've taken the label Christian and we've, we've created our camp. And we've built up walls around us, usually four. Come on, in a building. And we say, we build up these walls around us. And we say, in here, we got it right. And out there, them. Them. Come on. But if we're going to play the same tune, if we're going to play and call ourselves Christian, we have to play the same tune. We got to play the same tune. And we have to refuse to separate ourselves. And disassociate ourselves with. Come on. And separate ourselves from. Come on. And we need to stop. Can I, I'm just going to. Poke at some, is that okay? We can, we're gonna shoot some holy kids. We gotta stop being shocked that the world is asking, that the lost are acting lost. Like, oh my goodness. Did you see what Sam Smith did at the Grammys? Come on, church, come on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're shocked that the last lost are acting lost? Are you appalled? Yeah, come on, turn the TV off. But, but stop being holier than thou and, and being shocked. And by the way, come on. I grew up in the 70s and 80s. ACD was, ACDC was wearing devil's horns way before Sam Smith invented it. <laughs> Just saying. But hey, listen, but listen, I, hey, look, you can be shocked, you can be appalled, all the rest of it. But listen, when we go public with that criticism, we separate ourselves into another camp and we're saying, yeah, well, us over here, we got it right. And we don't eat bacon in this camp. Come on. I love how Paul concludes this in Galatians 3. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. Let's, let's add to that. Conservative or liberal or NDP. <sighs> Slave nor free, nor is there male and female. 
or any other category. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Here's my question for you today. Here's my question. Are we living up to our given name? Are we playing the tune right? And here's why we did this series. As I conclude this, here's why we did this series. Because if we don't understand who our God is, if we don't understand who our Savior is, our Lord is, if we don't understand who the Holy Spirit is, if we don't understand the Bible and its role, if we don't understand, if we don't understand the church and its part in the community, if we don't understand these things, we don't understand what it means to be Christian, we play the tune wrong. Out of key, off key, might not even mean the same tune. And the moment we do that, what's at stake is that the rest of the world discredits, not us, discredits any relationship with God. And so what I'm saying is we got to get rooted. Come on, we got to get rooted. We got to study this stuff out. Come on, church, we can't be naive to this thing. We can't believe anybody. Who, we can't listen to any, just anybody who says they're a Christian or follow or celebrate anyone who just says they're a Christian. We have to be able to distinguish the tune. Is that the Jesus tune, is that the church? Is that the church that he originated? And come on, before we start, don't, come on, be careful. Don't start pointing fingers and they're playing the tune wrong, they're playing the tune wrong, they're playing, I'm not, what I'm saying. I'm not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you gotta constantly be self-evaluating because Peter, who got this right in Acts chapter 11, got this wrong in Galatians chapter two. Peter, who was spent three years being trained by Jesus, if Peter can fall that fast and get the tune wrong that fast, who are we to think that we're gonna always have it right? But we need to pay attention. We need to know. We need to get rooted. We need to get grounded. We need to know that we know that we know what the tune is. And are we living up to the name Christian? Are we living up to the vision of the kingdom? Here's today's takeaway, is a true Christian focuses on who they stand for, not who they stand against. A true Christian focuses on who they stand for, who they stand for, not who they stand against. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word, I thank you, Lord, that your, the word does not hide these debates, these, these wrestlings. It gives us insight into our human nature, into our tendencies to get the tune wrong. Even the Bible heroes, even those that we look up to and read and admire, even they didn't always get it right. So God, we're falling at your feet in, in, in mercy. Forgive us for when we've played the tune wrong. And I pray that you put that tune clearly in our ears and that we'd be able to replicate it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, maybe, maybe because you've heard the wrong tune. Maybe you had a preconceived idea of what Christianity, what church is all about. And you wanted nothing to do with that 
that song. I want you to know, hey, don't discard. Point the finger at, rightly at, at us as the church, as, as Christians for not playing it right. But, and recognize that the author, the composer, don't discard him. He wants a relationship with you. He's a merciful, good, kind, loving, accepting God. And all you need to do to begin a relationship with him is confess with your mouth that he is God and believe in your heart that he rose again from the dead. That's it. We're gonna pray a prayer now together. If we pray this for the first time, know this, you're gonna confess with your mouth that Jesus is God and if you believe what you're praying is true right here, right now, you can begin a relationship with him. It's not joining our church, not at all. It's not joining a religion, quite the opposite. It's a relationship with the composer. So let's pray this together. Everyone repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I confess that you are God and I believe that you rose again from the dead. And I ask you right now to become my God, my Lord and Savior, and my friend. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sins, for accepting me just as I am. I give my heart to you in Jesus' name, amen.